Hello friends, how are you? My name is Colin and this is the Sober Mess podcast and you're very welcome. Today I am absolutely chuffed to be joined by my good pal Mikey Power. Mikey is a coach and a trainer and he's a very proud in the Shannon man down in West County Cork. He's raised nearly 20,000 for the Special Olympics He's one of the most inspiring and motivated people out there, and I'm absolutely blessed to have him on the podcast today. So, Mikey, how are you, mate? Ooh, that was a good intro. I, I've got goosebumps. I know you Cork lads like a good intro. Uh, I, uh, <laughs> I had to roll out the red carpet. <laughs> really good to be here. I'm, I'm nervous as always when I'm speaking about myself and my story, but I'm excited as well, and, and that lets me know that I'm in the, the exact space that I'm supposed to be in. I love a little that. bit of nerve, excitement, looking forward to Looking forward to, to getting to know you a little bit more and your listeners getting to know me a bit more. Oh, it's absolutely, it's magic to have you on and you're you're telling me you're a very proud Inner Shannon man, it's the gateway to the west of Ireland. <laughs> the gateway to West Cork, it's a little piece of paradise sat there, you got oh. across, you got to go through it in order to get to, to, to the border of West Cork we'll say and, and it's a beautiful place to grow up, it's a place I was very very lucky to have met some wonderful people, um, but to have some great childhood memories of, of swimming and GA and, you know, every, everything everything about me is from, very much from from, from my roots back in the Shannon. I but uh, I, 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 won't lie, I was born in Dublin, but my parents... Hey, I knew I, I, knew I liked something about you, Mikey. I knew there was it's something nice. about you that I loved. <laughs> Up uh, the dubs. O'Haller uh, Street in Dublin. Um... <laughs> But I think my parents realised that, that that Dublin wasn't a place to raise me, so they quickly moved me to a very young age to I've, Cork. I've just seen you, you've lost about 200 followers from Cork yeah. to saying that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, that's beautiful, man. I love it. Up the dubs. That's class. Yeah. But man, I, I love I love your what you said what you on your the quote you have on your in, Instagram page, recovering addict with an exercise problem. That's I can relate to that so much. Yeah, I, I, I grew up around sport, very much around sport, but exercise was never never involved in sport. Um, but nowadays, exercise is, so I, I've been saying, A, keeps me sober, exercise keeps me sane. Mm. And it, it, it it's the most positive thing that I can do for myself each and every day other than going to, to AA. And I just love I love improving myself, I love pushing myself, I love improving others, I love pushing others, I love watching other people progress and improve, and I love sharing my love for exercise with other people as well. The same way I love sharing my, 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 my story about recovery with other people as well, and, and, and hoping that people can find some bit of strength and hope in that, mm-hmm. as well as find strength and hope in exercise, because exercise very much came to me when I was in one of my darkest places in life, um... And it, it 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 it's something that I've always been able to turn back to when when things might not have been going very well. That's you beautiful. Know? I love that, and it's beautiful that you found that that resource. You know, like that that exercise is a vehicle for me for for my mental health. And we were talking just before the podcast about getting into the sea and hiking, and you know, sometimes I I just need a break from my mind. I need to get a vacation from my mind, you know, and like that, getting in the sea, but training, you know, things like that just keep me head in, in a good place. Absolutely, and occasionally you just need that big blowout session, mm. you know, just feel like you need that, that to be put under that little bit of pressure through through a bit of cardio, weight sessions, whatever it is, in order to release the negative that the body builds up. Just yeah. from from day to day life, from business, from 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 everything going on in family life and everything else, it's 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 an outlet for me, certainly, to to relieve the stresses and attention from my day. And I know that every time I come home after a workout, I'm in a better place, and the people around me are in a better place as well because of it. Yeah, it's powerful, and I love what you said that a blowout session, and and that's the thing where we need to relieve that stress, and how we choose to relieve it can be a healthy way or an unhealthy way. Like that it could be the drink or the drugs, 
and 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 the dopamine escape, or we can look for the the serotonin escape, which is the more natural ways, the running, the meditation, the dipping, you know, the natural ways, walking out in nature, listening to the birds, and just de-stress and trying to blow out and because like that man, like hundred percent living, like you know, we're constantly uh, exposed to this information and stimulation that just stresses us out all day, from the walk to the bills to the traffic jam to the news to the social media. And we're just go, go, go. And we're just building up this stress. And we're getting, you know, we're getting like wound up and wound up and wound up. And it's to find a way to, to, to cope with that and to relieve that stress in a healthy manner where you're not turning into this like exploding dorma or, or having this like burning out and breaking down. You know, we're just finding a natural way to go, okay, what what is my little outlet? You know, the dips, the runs the train and the weights, you know, to find a kind of healthy, a healthy resource to deal with that build-up of stress. Absolutely, 100%. I, I, when, when, when I was growing up, sport was supposed to be my outlet, but sport very much revolved around alcohol after it. So, yes, we were training, but we were never exercising. We were never doing it for the good of our own, our own mental health or the good of our own, our own uh, physical health. We were training because of, of the, the pressures of sport, basically. And um, we win, we drink, we lose, we drink. Um, and again, there was no such thing as actually going to the gym or, or very few people were going to the gym at this time. And it's only now I'm realising how much of an outlet the gym would have been for me at that time had I have been educated enough in it or had I been around people who knew how to how to bring me to the gym you know like like kids kids these days are very very lucky to have the option of going to the gym and I think it's a very important thing for 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 everybody to invest in some form of exercise whether it be through personal trainer or through fitness classes um, through a gym membership and learning how to how to use that in your own life, not just how to how to go to the gym, but how to actually how, how to use the gym in order to improve your life outside of the gym, not just your biceps and your chest and your shoulders, but how can I use it to improve my own mental health, my own mental state, and 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 deal with stress through it. Yeah, you know. No, hundred percent. And I, I see all you that you do on your Instagram and all, all, all that you've done for charity, and it's incredible. But where do you get your drive from and your energy level and your motivation? Like when you get up in the morning, and I see, I seen you were out cycling out in mad conditions the other day, and I was like, hats off to this man, what a legend! I seen that, and I went out for a run because I said, come here, if he can cycle in that man, I can go for the, I can go for a run. But where do you get that drive to go and get after it? Um, well, I, I probably get my work ethic from my father. My father pushed me very, very hard as a kid in order to be the best sports person I could be. Sometimes probably a little bit too hard because I'd want to go home and he wouldn't let me go home. I'd have to put 10 balls over the bar before I left the pitch. You know, that's this mm. kind of thing. Yeah. And at the time I didn't understand it, but now I understand he was just trying to instill that bit of steel inside me that you don't go home when you're tired, you go home when you're done. And that is yeah. very much... What has, what has I have carried through into everything in my life, and unfortunately, that drive can be driven towards a negative thing. But now I'm in such a positive moment in my life; it's it's pushing me towards positive things. When I get up in the morning, I might not always be motivated, but I know that if I don't do it today, if I don't push myself to do something to better myself today, I'm letting myself down. I'm letting my future self down, and. It's, look, I find motivation in different places constantly, but my, my my the one thing that always stays true to me is I don't try not to act as the person I feel like being today. I try to act like the person I want to be tomorrow. And if I want to be healthy tomorrow, I have to eat healthy today. If I want to be fitter tomorrow, I have to exercise today. Mm. And I'm always kind of working towards being a better person in the future to benefit the person that I am today. I love that. I love that, yeah. It's so true, man. It is that thing where, um, you know, what we do today is going to impact our tomorrow. And like that, I heard someone say, when we drink today, you know, we're borrowing happiness from tomorrow, you know, because it's like thinking, if I have all these plans tomorrow 
And if I go and drink, you know, I'm not going to do any of that stuff. I'm going to wake up, I'm going to be feeling awful, full of regret, full of shame. And I'm, I'm, I'm borrowing happiness from tomorrow. And I, I always thought that was powerful. And to play that tape forward, like, like what you said, if we train hard, if we eat well, you know, how will I feel tomorrow? I wake up and I feel good, I feel fresh, you know, I feel energetic. But if I do the opposite, I don't train, I eat crap or I, I drink or whatever the thing is, I wake up tomorrow feeling awful. And it's just like, play that tape forward. What's the outcome for the, for the, these little... And it's, my, it's all these little minor decisions that we make that can have such a big ripple effect and impact on our tomorrows. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And I, and I, I, I'm a firm believer that your days can be set up in the first 15 minutes. So you say all oh, minor decisions. To me, I break that down and... From the moment that I get out of bed, I get out of bed on time. I turn around and I make my bed. I have clothes laid out for myself um, at the end of the bed. I put them on. I go down the hall. I wash my face with cold water. I brush my teeth. The bathroom is set up and it's ready for me to, for everything that I need to do. When I go downstairs, I'm finished upstairs. I have water waiting for me in the fridge. I have my supplements and a glass, a glass waiting next to the sink for me. My shoes, my jacket, my keys are waiting for me at the front door. So within that 15 minutes, you say the, the minor decisions. I have won each and every single one of those early morning battles that can dictate if I leave the house happy or if I leave the house stressed. Yeah. I've taken all of the decision making out of my life in the first 15 minutes so that I can just be, just be me. There's no stress. And no kids, people have kids and things like that. And there's always going to be other uh, external factors for people. But the simple thing of having them a bag packed for the gym the next day, having your clothes laid out, having the bathroom ready and set up, knowing that your shoes, jacket and keys are next to the door, knowing that there's a glass of water waiting for you next to the sink to take a glass of water first thing in the morning, put the purest of liquids into your body. These little things, they're not just, they're not just tasks. These are little wins that you can bring into your life and you leave the house in a winning mentality. You leave the house stress-free. You leave the house ready to go. I step outside that door and I'm ready for the day. I'm not chasing my ass, rushing to work. I'm not stopping in a shop to buy myself water. I have my breakfast. I have my lunch. I have snacks or I know what I'm going to get throughout the day. And it takes, I I break it down into a 10-minute routine each and every night. Where when I come ho- come home, I put on my air fryer to put in my food after it. I go upstairs, I pack my bag, I lay out my clothes, I set up the bathroom, I come downstairs, I fill up my water, I put out my supplements, I put my shoes and jacket next to the door, and I am ready and prepared for the next day. I love that. There's yeah. no no pressure on me anymore. The rest of the evening is mine. I know that yeah. I'm ready to win tomorrow. I can chill. Yeah, I love that, and that's what. And sometimes when I get down and come home, and I, you know, I just want to look at my phone and 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 scroll and I look at crap. And I have this mantra that I always say to myself when I feel myself like that. It says, "What is the most valuable use of my time right now?" I keep saying that to myself. What is the most valuable use of my time right now? Don't spend your time. Invest your time. And like that, getting prepared for tomorrow is like, right, is my gym bag packed and my runners ready, socks, jocks, are they all out ready to go? You know what I mean? Have I got my supplements ready? I got the eggs in the pot ready to go, water in the kettle. You know, everything's there and prepared, you know? And like that, what? Because if we if we invest in tomorrow today, it makes, as you said, it makes today smoother because if I start running late, I'm stressed out, you know? No, I'm not present, and that impacts my heart. Like these tiny things can have such a massive impact on me. Like these, the trajectories, like you know, and like um, James Clear talks about it in that book, Atomic Habits. Like if you if your plane is leaving Dublin and it's off by a millimeter, in the long term, that's gonna go from like you're wanting to go to Miami, but you end up in Alaska because this tiny little misdirection has this massive impact in the long term. So it's, it's even little tiny things like that and just being prepared. And as, as another very proud uh, Cork man said, if you fail to prepare, prepare to fail. (laughs) Mr. Roy Keane. That book, Atomic Habits. Um, Even if for anybody out there listening who hasn't read it yet, just commit to reading the first 27 pages. And in those first 27 pages, you will find enough in there to let you know that, okay, this book can help to change my life. It is incredibly powerful what the small things 
that instead of looking thing, at things in a, in a big way, you look at things as the small, the 1% that you can make better. And like that, my evening routine, I come in, it's a 10-minute routine, but it makes a 100% difference to tomorrow. Yeah. So I'm investing, as we said, to finish on this, we invest 10 minutes tonight to make 24 hours tomorrow better. Well, yeah, I love that. Yeah. But Mikey, man, I'm dying to hear your journey. Bring, bring us right back to the start, man, and just... Tell us, tell us the, the path of Mikey and how, how you got to this beautiful personality and, and, and energy oh, that you are today. Thank you. Uh, so as I said, I was born on Holler Street. Uh, my dad was working in, in a Shannon at the time, or in Brinny. Um, and he quickly moved us down to in a Shannon. We met a wonderful family there, the Malalis, who became a massive part of my life as, as this goes on. And um, I suppose I was a good kid, but I hated school. I used to be dragged to school, kicking, screaming, even in the earliest years. Like I used to have to wear a patch. And do you remember those stickers that you'd, you'd rub on them with the with the spoon? Oh, yeah, yeah, I used yeah. To put, put one of those stickers on as if it was going to make it fit any better, basically. Mm. So like, I, I never felt like I fitted in, I'd imagine. Even though I don't remember how I felt at the time, I would imagine wearing a patch to school puts a bit of a bullseye on your head, you know? And this yeah, was, this was yeah. senior infants dragged to school. Um, but I was always playing sport. Sport was all I ever wanted to do. Football, hurling, soccer, basketball, tennis, swimming, running, jumping, rolling. It doesn't matter what it was. So long as it involved movement, um, it was exactly what I wanted to do, where I wanted to be. And I was the type of kid who was Stephen Gerrard taking a shot. But then I was Alan Quirk diving to make a save. And next thing I was Sammy Hippie clearing a header and Roy Keane making a tackle. You know <laughs> I had a massive imagination, like you, and I'd commentate on all these things in the backyard. You know, my parents would be looking out at me, and I'd be fecking, I'd be roaring names. Um, but in that childhood, I did grow up around alcohol. Uh, my grandmother owned a pub in Waterford, so naturally we'd be down there. Um, so my dad was going for a few pints, so I'd go down with him. Uh, my friend's family owned the pub. So I'd go down and I'd play with them. My dad would drink a few pints. And that was just kind of the way it was in the 90s, really. There was always a couple of kids down around the place that, that, that I could play with. And I had a fascination with alcohol from from, from a very, very young age. Uh, like I remember taking, when my dad wouldn't be looking, taking scoops off the top of his, his Guinness with my finger as if he, he wouldn't notice this giant hole in the middle of his, in the middle of his pint, you know. So I fast forward and I got into trouble in school. It wasn't I wasn't really I wasn't I wasn't I wasn't very good in the classroom. I was very good at visually visually learning. If you showed me something one to one, I'd pick it up. But in school in the classroom, there was there, there was too much going on around me, or there wasn't enough going on around me. I was I was never settled in the classroom, and that that was the story for my entire time in school. Um, did I have? any 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 mental issues or ADHD or anything like that. I don't know. I never found out. But I certainly was more active than everybody else in pursuing fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I had a very good childhood, lots of family holidays. And as I spoke about the Malays, we had two friends um, that I would consider my family, like Joe. Joe was the brother I didn't have, and Adele was the best born and raised us when my mother and father worked and supported us as well. So Adele was a massive part of my life uh, in the early years. and So I moved to the first of my secondary schools uh, in Bandon. I only picked that school. Joe went there. That was where I wanted to go. I hated school. I didn't want to be in anywhere else, but it was just the very fact that he was there. This this, this was where I had to go, you know. Um. I suppose my first my first big drinking session that I can remember was in around first year, uh, two or three flagons of Linden Village, harmless mm. stuff, drinking in my house, heading out downtown, uh, heading out down the village, just having the crack around her. It was a good time. It was harmless stuff. But, but it's important to understand for everybody who listens to this that my alcohol, alcoholism started with drinking probably three quarters of a flagon of Linda Village. That was it. Yeah. It was a 14-year-old kid, the same as anyone else's mother or any, anyone else's child. No different. This is where it can start and does start for everybody. So it's very important that people watch their drinking, watch the younger generation drinking as well as, as these things where their own drinking can start, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I really started drinking properly 
when I started playing with teams older than me. So I was 15 playing with 21-year-olds, 20 and 21-year-olds, uh, under-21 football. Um, and I used to go out drinking with them, often to the point of puking, often to the point of blacking out. We drank when we won, we drank when we lost. So any time I was happy and any time I was sad, basically the only two emotions that I knew as a kid growing up. Um, I wouldn't change anything about my upbringing. But I was certainly allowed to be around drink more than other children of my age. Let's put it that way. Um, but that was because I was involved with the older teams and there was no other kids my age involved with those teams. So look, it's that that was the way it was for me um, at that time. And uh, I suppose the school went down. I hated it more and more. I got halfway through second year and I was asked to leave the school. My mother's a teacher. Um, so I moved down to her school. Uh, I played all the sports, did very little homework. So eventually it was time for me to to leave school after the junior cert, to do my junior cert, played, stayed to play sports until Christmas in Fortier and left school to go work at that point. And I was drinking most weekends from here on. Um, it's hard for me to remember how much or to what extent I was playing at a high level in sport. Uh, but I don't know, was I drinking more than I should have been? I, I, I'm sure I was drinking more than I should have been, but I don't know how much at that time. My childhood is a bit of a, a bit of a blur. I was very much, I couldn't walk down the village without a set of headphones. Mm. So at a, from a young age, I found it very hard to be alone with my own thoughts. Uh, if I didn't have music playing in my ears, I wouldn't leave the house because I'd have to stay in front of watching, t- in, uh, watching TV or playing Xbox or, or PlayStation, whatever it was, you know. Mm. Um, so, so, that was that 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 again. I don't know why that was just the way that I was from a very very young age, um, very adult mind. If I wasn't around other people, I had to have my music basically. Um, I lived a normal life during the years from sixteen to seventeen, drinking cans, playing sport, working in scaffolding. It was good, but you fast forward another year, and just as I turned seventeen, uh, unfortunately, Joe went missing in Cork uh, on a night out. And we spent three weeks searching for him during that time. Um, the searches were uh, morning and evening, so you kind of had two or three shifts. People, 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 people searched when they could, but I was there every day during the day. I was deemed too young to search at night time. Um, so at night time, I'd go home, I'd go to the pub, and I'd drink. And, and I suppose it was during this time that. I was, I was, I was, I was still very young, uh, mentally, very immature for my age. So I had this, this, this. I was full of hope, expectations. It was just turn up. I was young and free, and I was full of optim- optimism. And I was, I was, I was unfortunately wrong. But during this time, I suppose I found alcohol and I used it as as medication to cure my adult mind and to to settle my body down and it was an escape for me away from the reality of what was actually going on mm-hmm. yeah um i i don't remember how i was feeling i don't remember what i was thinking at the time i just know that i was drinking heavily at night and going out searching the next morning mm-hmm. um so during that period after this, I got into a lot of trouble. Um, I just really lost it. I think I was arrested 15 times in 12 weeks. And it was just, I was very lucky at the time that the local guard was so understanding that I never saw a courtroom at that time. Like it wasn't, I wasn't going out um, doing anything really bad out of the way. There were a lot of public orders, that sort of stuff. But like I was ending up in a guard car every night I went out. And lots of anger, lots of grief, lots of every emotion other than happiness going on in my life. Um, Nobody knew how to help me. Nobody knew how to deal with it. I don't think anybody had seen, certainly nobody in my family had seen, seen somebody go through 
the emotions that I was going through or do the the actions that I was that, that I was that I was taking after drink or or so on. Nobody knew how to help me because everybody was hurting. Like, he, my parents grew up with this guy, Joe, uh, grew up with the family. So like everybody was in their own bubble and everybody kind of dealt with it their own way. This was how I dealt with it. It wasn't the right thing to do. It was the wrong thing to do. But at the time, nobody knew any different, really. You know? And I could keep talking about it and keep mumbling about it. But the fact is, he went missing. I turned to drink at this time. And it was from here, my drinking really took a self-destructive turn. And every time I went out, I was drinking to to blackout. Every time I went out, I was drinking to to forget and drinking to the point where I would not remember anything the next day. I'd hoped I wouldn't remember anything the next day. Um, I suppose it just continued. It wasn't one night. I was going out two nights. I was working, so I had some few pounds in my pocket. Um. You know, I hated myself, I hated the world, I was angry at the world, walking around with clenched jaw, clenched fist, you know, very deeply unhappy. Um I was a kid. I'd I had lost 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 somebody extremely close to me and I was dealing with it wrong. And I was just escaping reality basically, as often as I possibly could. Um Lots of arrests, lots of blue lights coming to the door. It was causing some stress to my parents, but worse, others started to stop talking to them in this time. So it wasn't just affecting what I was doing, wasn't just affecting mom and dad, it was affecting it was affecting them outside of the home as well. You know, like I was doing a lot of things were getting worse. And and I know that 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 they didn't get the support that they needed at that time either. And people stopped talking and people started to talk about them and this sort of thing. Because again, this village hadn't seen anything as destructive as my drinking was, I don't think. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a very quiet tone. And, or if it had, it had been, it, 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 I was taking the shine off it, let's put it that way, mm-hmm. as is the way. Um, I think it's an important part of my story to understand there's a difference between a bad person and a bad behaving person because I would have been deemed or labeled a bad person. But I was a really good person, as I, I I am the person I am today. Just going through a really, really bad time. For anybody out there listening to this, that's that's important for you to remember as well. Yeah. As alcoholics, we 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 act in a way that isn't befitting of the people that we are. You know, mm. um, I certainly did myself. Uh You know, drinking drugs really hit me hard during this period of my life. Mentally, I was unwell for a long time. I don't remember dates or years or, or, or what age I was. My late teens and early 20s are a real blur. And, and, you know, during these times, I lost another really close friend of mine, um, Keith. So I'd spent the day with him. And again, I'm in a really bad place at the moment. And there's very few people are taking time out in order to... to to see am I okay? And Keith was one of those guys that always made sure I was okay. Um, always took me under his wing and had 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 fun with me. Took me out with him. I spent the day with him. I went out with him that night, and I thought I'd see him the next day to have fun. But Keith knew that he would never see me again after that day. And and I again, we spoke before the podcast about everything happening for a reason, or nothing being a coincidence, and. And when I sat down with Keith that day in his apartment, he spoke to me about what I was doing, how it was hurting my family, um, how I should try to get help for myself. You know, he gave me some really, really good advice. Was I ready to take it at the time? No, but he did his best in order to help me in that time, even when he was struggling himself so, so badly. Um, And I... It's funny because I never called down to his house. This was the first time I'd ever called down there. I don't know why I called down there. There was no reason for me to call down there other than I was looking for something to do or somewhere to go. So whatever led me to this point in my life, and it's, 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 a, it's, it, 
no, it, it, it was a difficult time. I was glad I got to spend that time with him and I can't thank him enough for trying to help me either. It's important that we remember his his memory as, as being that type of guy too, you know, if if, if nothing else. Um, and yeah, after that, I got into a lot more trouble. My drinking got worse and worse and worse. Drugs came into my life, started taking more and more. And I started to steal in order to feed my habit. I started robbing family and, and, and far worse than that. I would do anything to get my fix, absolutely anything. So lots more rent, event, arrests. And eventually life got too much for me. And I win a Saudi's football championship in the night. That night, we went to this pub or club called Rafters. Um, they used to sell cans. They didn't do pints. It was all cans inside there. So I got myself three cans, put them into the worst possible jeans you've ever seen in a fella. These things were. <laughs> put them down the jeans, left there, um, drank two of the cans, and I just knew that I didn't want to go on anymore. I, I, my head was so addled. It was, my thoughts were, were like poison to me when I was sober. And and I knew I, I I just didn't want to continue living the life that I was living, and so I walked over to the bridge. I sat up on the bridge, I threw my phone away. I drank my can, and as I was about to put that last sip of the can to my lips, I felt this incredible peace come over me. Just I was exactly where I was supposed to be. It was a calmness. It was just after washing over me. I was putting the can to my lips, and as I put the can to my lips. Two arms on either side of my shoulders grabbed me and pulled me off of the bridge as if someone from above had pulled me down. Wow. And I went from feeling incredibly calm and incredibly uh, at peace to feeling completely numb to this having this overwhelming sense of like, I couldn't speak, couldn't think, couldn't, couldn't, I couldn't, could, couldn't function. Um, and it took me back to the Garda station and I don't remember much about my life after that. Um, it's very, very hazy. There's an awful lot of... There was a lot more rests, let's put it that way. Um, I went to Tabor Lodge, spent a month in Tabor Lodge, um, addiction service in Cork. Came out, stayed off the drink, went 10 feet tall because I'd shared my problems. But quickly went back drinking, quickly went back taking drugs, more arrests got into lots more trouble with the guards and eventually um, I got kicked out of home and I was taken in by a friend's mother and I was lucky, I was very lucky to have these type of people in my life that my parents did absolutely everything they could in order to to help me and and it just became too much for him. It was their last resort. They had tried everything else in order to help me, you know. And and when they kicked me out of the home, uh, my friends took me in. And that became a huge part of my life later on because they had someone in the home that had a drink problem as well. And I, I was around that and I had seen that, which I'd never seen really before. And... um. And that passed by, and that, that was at Christmas time. In January, I was sentenced to two years in prison. That became three years, eight months in prison. And I, I was 21 years old, facing into three years and eight months in prison, not because I was a bad person, but because I had gone through a really, really bad time in my life. Mm-hmm. Yes, I had done some bad things, but I was in a place that I was in a good place in the end, but I was in a really bad place mentally. And as I said previous again to the podcast, I found exercise in my darkest times. So when I was in prison, I was I was at rock bottom. Nothing else could happen to me now. But at the same time, I had a, a unique sense of peace in prison because there was nothing I had to worry about outside. I didn't have to worry about day-to-day life. I didn't have to worry about about um, alcohol. I didn't have to worry about drugs anymore. I didn't have to worry about letting people down. I didn't have the the stresses of everyday life. I just had me. And uh, a good friend inside there took me to 
the gym. Um, and he put me through my paces and he hurt me so bad with doms that I couldn't go back to the gym for three weeks. <laughs> nice. I fought around like a T-Rex. He hit me doing 21 <laughs> steps. Yeah. <laughs> my first day in there, I was doing the workouts he'd been doing for the past year. But I met some really, really good people in there. And, and at this point, it's important for anybody who listens to this that there are so many other things I want to say and so many people I hurt, women, friends, family, and from that period of my life, I'm sorry, but it's vital for anybody listening that's going through that time or has been through a similar time in their life or has a family member going through something similar. That section of your life doesn't define who we are. And you're not a bad person. You're a good person going through a really bad time. And, you just have to keep the faith, keep fighting for a better tomorrow and keep believing that you are a good person and keep striving for better no matter how hard or how bad it can, it, it, how bad it gets. You keep believing that things will get better if you start doing positive things for yourself. And I know how hard it is to see that. I'm sure you know how hard it is to see that when you're in the depths of it as well. But you're just going through a really bad moment in your life and you can come out the other side. You just have to keep the faith, keep believing that you can and keep trying. Um, and that was where I was at that point in my life. I was two years into it. or I, would, I was facing to two years in prison, started to understand that I wasn't a bad person because I had come away from the alcohol and the drugs. I started to get clarity in my mind. I was exercising. I was surrounded by other people as well, if you remember, by, in, in prison, surrounded by other guys who were just like me, mm. who, who who were really, really good to me inside there, but had their own struggles outside. And and if you hear, if I heard the things that they had done outside, I never would have believed them looking at the person that was in front of me, mm. you know? So there's a lot of guys that, 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 that struggle with addiction and, and so on. And, and it's important to understand that if you take yourself away from the alcohol and the drugs, that beautiful person that you are is still inside you. Um, I think everybody who gets into recovery realizes that, and if we could spread that message more, it'd be it'd be so so important. And look, if we had one person with what we say here, then then it was worth it. So mm-hmm. here I was facing the two years behind bars. Um, I'm a firm believer that everything happens for a reason, especially your darkest moments. So it was in prison that I found exercise, and yeah, I played sports. As I said before, but I never did weights. In fact, the first time I was brought to the gym. I stunk the place out in BO, um, and that scared me for the rest of my life. That toxic my body was, you know. Um, uh, in prison, I found exercise. My first workout, I got the doms, and in all honesty, it would have been easy for me to start smoking heroin. It would have been easy for me to start taking tablets, start smoking weed, but I didn't. I was happy to have a clear mind and be free of stress inside there. And although these things are going on around you, you don't have to partake in them. Although it's not always easy to see that or see the light. Yeah. Um, when I was in the prison, I told myself I'd place in the back for Valley Rovers and I'd own my own gym. So as I said, everything happens for a reason. I found exercise and I found what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. I'd found it at a time when I was I was struggling so badly. And suddenly exercise gave me the lift in my confidence, in my self-esteem. It it changed the person that I was from negative into a complete and utter positive. And I wanted to share that message with other people through becoming a personal trainer, through opening my own gym, through, as I said, I had huge imagination as a kid. I had even bigger imagination in prison of all the things that I wanted to do. But these were the goals that I set myself out. Play centre-back for Valley Rovers and open my own gym. So I kept training. Uh, I got out. I do five months TR. I managed to get accepted to a PT course in Liverpool. And a very good friend who I wouldn't be here again today without, took me in for, to his home. And this was still a time when nobody else would have done that for me. Do you know, I still, I was still making up for, for the bad that I had done. I wouldn't blame people for not wanting to, to help me in certain ways, but this guy did. And there are those people out there. There is good in people. Um, in people that you might not expect it from, because I didn't expect 
to find the help from from Declan as he did, and he helped me learn the curriculum. Again, as I said, I wasn't a very good learner, but Declan sat me down and helped me learn each and every night. Made sure that I, I was ready for the tests and the exams, and 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 I passed. Well, and I, I went through a really good period of time during here. You know, I, was, I started doing boot camps. I got a job working in a gym in Bandon. I was working for free in the mornings. I was willing to do anything to get a start. Um, the boot camps, it was costing me money to run them because I had to rent the hall and there was only two people turning up, but I persevered with it because I was doing what I loved to do and I was doing what I knew I had to do mm. in order to get where I was. And a lot of guys listening to this might be starting out in their own businesses and it's not easy at the start. Mm. It isn't easy at the start. But if you keep persevering and you keep working on yourself and you keep trying to bring value to no matter whether it's one person, two people, or ten people, the masses will follow if the if 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 your message continues to be pure and true. And that was what happened for me. People started to come and see me in the gym. People started to ask for me in the gym, and I got my start working for free again. And and I started playing centre back for the club. I got everything that I wanted for myself through. Not sure. Look, you can call it the laws of attraction wherever you want. I had a dream. I kept my head in the clothes and my feet on the ground, I think is the saying. Mm. I kept dreaming and believing what I wanted to do, but I took the small steps it took in order to get there. I kept training. I kept looking after my food. I kept showing up every day. Um, and that was that was very, very important in order to get me to where I am today. And it's yeah. both in business, but also in recovery, you know. Mm. Um, if you don't, you, if your head's in the clouds fully, you're not you're you're not focused on the steps that you have to take. And if your feet are on the ground, you're not dreaming big enough. And 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 as I said, I wanted to play centre back. We'll just take this as an extra example. I wanted to play centre back. I had to be fit. I had to train more. I had to be faster. I had to start weight training. I had to continue weight training. I had to show up to all the training sessions. Those were the steps in order to to get to where my head was in the clothes and in business it was the same I had to show up each and every morning I had to put on a smile no matter what was going on in my life these were the steps that I had to take in order to get to where I wanted to get to mm. and it could be 10 steps there could be a thousand steps but if you keep on stepping and you keep moving in the right direction you keep doing positive things for yourself what is for you will come to you yeah. um you know this is what other people are capable of doing if they stop drinking if they stop using most important they started to believe that they could be more than what they are being. So as that went on, um, I did really well in business. I did really well in sport, but I started drinking a bit more, started using a bit more. I'd never dealt with my issues. Um, I had more money there as well, so there was no issues. I was in a relationship, and I was being a terrible boyfriend, and I quickly fall back into addiction every weekend and a day or two during the uh, You know, yeah, they were just up to again. It was, I, I just trying to think back to other things that happened there. It's it's it was an inevitability because I never put anything in place other than than I I never went to meetings. I never 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 accepted that I actually had a problem. I never dealt with any of my past. I just threw myself into work, and and that very much masked over it masked over the problems that I actually had lying deeper down. Mm. And they started to resurface again. Um, and as, as I said, my first part of my drinking was very self-destructive. This was more drinking to sedate and to medicate myself, it was to to relax myself, to, to bring myself down from the stresses of a long day at work, you know. Mm. Even though I might have done absolutely nothing, I still convinced myself that I needed to drink this evening in order to in order to sleep well mm. and many other reasons, but very much so drinking for fun, drinking to party, drinking to live a good life because now I had lots of money from the business that I could spend on everything and anything I wanted. And alcohol and drugs was what I chose to spend it on. As that time went on, I'd been in a really bad place mentally for a long time. And I, I had good days and bad days, but I was just existing really. And 
Eventually, I booked a holiday. I travelled to Southeast Asia, Indonesia, New Zealand, Australia. Um, travelled around there for, for nine weeks. And when I came back, I never actually came back from there, if you get me. Mentally, mm-hmm. I was very much over there. I'd yeah. been at peace. I'd been able to drink every day, adventure every day. It wasn't reality. Um, at the time, I was on a suspended sentence at this point uh, from trouble that I got into previously to the holiday. I had a probation officer ringing me around the clock, telling me I was, I was, I was, I was going back inside if I didn't come home from the holiday. That she was gonna, she was gonna turn me in for leaving the country. Um, I was drinking heavily again, on the verge of going back to prison. I was just incredibly lucky that I had two lads working for me, Morris and Dav, that kept the whole show on the road. You know, these guys were, they were a real rock for me in my time, and it's so so important in business to have the right people around you. And I've always been lucky to have to have good people in my company within the business that I have. And Dav and Morris were two boys that that suffered enormously at, because of my actions as well. You know, I'd ring into, ring them. I'd say, I'm not coming in this morning. I'm hungover. Uh, I've gone in the piss for the day. And I'd leave it up to them to cancel. I'd leave it up to them to to handle the backlash, to deal with with people coming in and saying, why isn't he here? That sort of thing, you know. Mm. So they were very, very stressed in their jobs. And why they stuck with me for so long, I'll never understand. But I am so incredibly grateful that they did. You know, I was a terrible employee. I was in a terrible employer. I was being a terrible son. I was being terrible in love. I was being uh, an awful teammate. I was being the worst version of myself. And I knew all this, but I couldn't stop. Mm. And that was what... So I, I I drank to get away from all of those emotions and those feelings that I had in myself. And I knew I was a good person, which hurt me even more to hurt other people because that's not in line with my values or not in line with my goals. And and, and the more people I hurt, the more I hurt. And the more I hurt, the more I drank and used and medicated and sedated myself. And I hope I wouldn't feel anything. And, you know, I used each and every morning to bring myself back up and I drank every night to bring myself back down and in the hope that I'd find a level somewhere but you're never level when you're using or drinking you know you're 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 either up above the line or you're below the line you're never on the line feeling just right you know it's it's yeah. it's you're always chasing something I always found I was chasing something yeah. and lockdown came that was incredible peace no drink no drugs no work nothing just being just being I built a vegetable patch, you know, this sort of thing. Like, like mm. I was starting to do things that, that I could never have dreamt of. I never thought I'd want to do. Um, we, there was a charity event. We ran four miles every four hours for four days. Um, a friend put it up on Insta- on Facebook. I saw it. I put my hand up for it. I had no training for it or anything done. But this was the sort of thing I was capable of doing when I wasn't drinking or drugging. We raised 16,000 euros for wow. special. And it was an incredible time. But the night that I finished, a friend rang me, said, do you want to come for a few cans? And I found myself right back and worse where I was uh, before the lockdowns. Drinking every night of the week, using every day of the week. Um, the business was closed, so I had no no I had no responsibilities. I tried to start an online business. I, I I failed miserably because I was hungover. I wasn't showing up even to even though I had to stay I could stay in bed. I couldn't bring myself to do that. Mm. Um, that was what alcohol took for me. It took my will to to do anything. My will to succeed. My will to my will to be anything better than what I was at that time. And I drank heavily, used heavily for the whole of lockdown. Um, I was very lucky to meet uh, Emma in lockdown um, when 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 the, the pubs were kind of open, and she was the the one good thing that came out of it. And she's been with me since, thankfully. And you know, I suppose you can fast forward from lockdowns, and 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 I just drank and 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 used and hit it, and all like. I had cans hiding in the out, out house when I told her I wasn't drinking so that when she left the house, I could bring cans in and I could drink them myself. I'd say I'm staying at home when actually I was in the pub, this sort of stuff, you know, deceitful. Um, I was unreliable. Nobody could rely on me to be to, to, to be there for them. Um, 
And yeah, I, 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 we went to South America. We spent nine weeks in South America, drinking, drugging again. Um, I spent the last two weeks of it in Cuba and in Jamaica, sat at the bar, didn't even adventure around there, just drank. Mm. And came home and we sat in the coach and I was drinking. Uh, I think I was drinking that morning and I just turned to Emma and I said, I just can't do this anymore. I was willing to give up the very best thing I had in my life at that time because she was getting in the way of my drinking. Um, she was getting in the way of my using. So I stood up, I walked out of the house and I didn't stop drinking for two weeks um, after that. Drinking, using. I was going to the pub. I was having my breakfast in the pub. Um, I'd get a lamb, lamb dinner. And I couldn't even cut the lamb. I was shaking so badly. Mm. Um, each and every morning. I'd use to come up. I'd drink for the day. i continued to use and drink all day long. That was where my life led. That was where the three bottles of Linda Village that me and my friends got led me to. Um, and as that those two weeks went on, I got kicked out. of. So on the last night of my drinking on a Sunday, I was sitting in a bar, had no intention of stopping. And this person came in and, and there was a couple of things happened around me. And I realized, you know what? I'm not even safe here in the bar anymore. Um, one place that I thought I was okay. I'm not even safe here anymore. And then I had this visualization of where I was going to be if I didn't stop drinking tomorrow. And if you remember, I said I stayed in a friend's house uh, when I got kicked out of home at 21 and I visualized myself being back in the, in that house, but me being the one that was walking in the door. And that was where my life was going to lead to. If I didn't stop on the Monday, I, I don't know where that thought came from. I don't know. Again, we speak about, about, about everything happening for a reason. I believe that that dark time in my life where I got kicked out of home, staying somewhere else happened to me because it had to happen to me for later down the road. I needed that experience in my life in order to, to in order to to save me from myself later on in life. And it's hard to see things at that moment in time. But through my biggest struggles, there has always come light at the end at the end of the tunnel. Maybe not a day away, maybe not a week away, not in a year away. This was this was nearly twelve years. But that experience shaped me to the person that I am right here, right now in front of you. Powerful. Absolutely powerful. Um, So the next day I woke up, I had every intention of stopping drinking. This was what I was doing with my life and I got kicked out of home. My parents had had enough of me. They had heard about my antics during the last two weeks. Um, And they kicked me out. No questions, no nothing asked. Get out of the house. Don't come back. No problem. Left, went to the gym, slept on a yoga mat there and Adele, who who I avoided for numerous years, even though she was trying to trying to be a part of my life. I avoided and I avoided and I avoided. And when I needed her the most, she just happened to show up for me. Just happened. I don't know where she arrives on. Said, Mikey, you're going through a terrible time. You have got to stop. I'm here to help you. She brought me bed sheets for me to sleep on. She cooked me lunches. She cooked me dinners. She cooked me breakfast. Made me breakfasts took me to my meetings. But the most significant part of it all was when she took me to the beach the second day. She took me down a rainy day in September, 6th of September, took me to the beach, and I was looking into the waves, and the waves were going up over my head. And I said, there's no way I'm getting into that water. And she said, you have to. There's no there's no two ways about it. You were getting into that water. So the two of us got out. We stepped down. She's an avid swimmer. And I remember the very first wave I took slapped me in the face. And that first wave was as if life and the universe and the higher power was telling me, Mikey, you've got to wake up and you've got to take this opportunity now. And I was exactly where I was supposed to be at the exact time, being hit by the exact wave with the exact person that I was supposed to be with at that moment in my life and at that moment in time. 
And I believe that we're all currently in a place, no matter how bad or how good it is that you're supposed to be in, that light is going to come if you continue to move towards, if you continue to work towards a better tomorrow. Um, and everything in my life led me to that moment, absolutely everything. Um led me to that, the good, the bad, the ugly prison, the whole lot led me to the 6th of September being slapped in the face by a wave with with Joe's sister, who is now my best friend and, and, and a shining light, her and her family, in my life. Um, she's got incredible kids and she's got an incredible husband and they were very, very kind to me and took me in and showed me incredibly love and support in a time where nobody else, nobody else would have shown it to me. Um, myself and Emma, which was another big part of it, she, she, we stayed in touch. But in order for me to get clean and sober, and in order for her to 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 have clarity, I had to go it alone. I had to spend the first three months not in a relationship. I had to spend the first three months sleeping on the floor of my business. I had to spend the first three months dedicating my life to to recovery to to bettering myself to getting back to being me to getting back to exercising to getting back to eating healthily to getting back to going to bed early to getting back to to going to my meetings to building a routine for myself to to making my business a success again that that night that first night I had a thousand euro left in my bank account the business was closing at the end of the week because I was already five days late with my rent I hadn't enough money to pay anybody. But as I said, I was in the exact place at the exact moment, at the exact time when I was supposed to be. And when I dedicated my set my life to my work on that Monday, I had the best week I've ever had in business that week. The week after, I, I had a, the, the second best. The week after, I had the third best. And that month, I had my best ever month financially in business. The month after, got better. The month after got better. But in line with all of that, my life got better. Mm. My relationship got better. Everything stemmed from that young man who picked up his first drink in Linden Village. Everything led me to where I am today. And although there's a lot of hurt, there's a lot of people that that I caused harm to, that I hurt in their lives and things like that, I am sorry to that. And, and we all are in recovery. We're all sorry to them. But I can't change what I've done in the past. But what I can do is I can try and give back to whoever's willing to be a part of my future. And I have a tattoo on my arm, which I got at the time. It was from the Gladiator, what we do in life echoes in eternity. And I got it because it was kind of cool at the time. But again, everything for a reason. I don't even know why I got it. But I firmly believe that we are currently in eternity. It's not about what happens to you in the afterlife. It's about what you put into the universe, the kindness that you give to people now comes back at you, ten folds over. You have to give that kindness to yourself first and foremost, though. Mm. And recovery was the greatest kindness that I could give to myself. Recovery was the greatest kindness that I could give to my family, the greatest kindness I could give to Emma, the greatest kindness I could give to Adele. And although I had to to take my myself away from them for a period of time, it was necessary for me to give them the greatest gift of all, which was a sober me, a clean me, and a happy me. Um, as I said, everything in my life has led me to this very moment speaking to you, and it's been uh, it's been beautiful. I'm in a really good place now. That was my story with drink. All I think about and focus on now is my recovery and sharing that with people. Mikey, that was absolutely beautiful, man. Absolutely remarkable. Your story... You know, your mindset, your vision, your perspective, the person that you are is absolutely powerful, man. I was blown away, um, absolutely blown away. You're an inspiration. And I know I said that, <laughs> we were talking at the start of the podcast, you know, that you find it hard to take praise, man, but you are a phenomenal human being. And uh, that was that was absolutely incredible, man. And, you know, man, you're, you're a natural communicator and your story is going to help so many people. So many people, man. Um, oh, yeah, I was blown away by your story, man, you know. And I love what, what you said, you know. Um, you were acting in a way which wasn't fulfilling that of the person who you were, you know. And you weren't a bad person trying to get good. You're just, 
an ill person trying to get better and and that's the thing man when we're in that amount of pain we're just trying to seek ease and comfort and soothing and we go to any lengths to get that and when we're in that addictive realm we don't see the people that were harming the people that were letting down you know the hearts that were breaking the you know, just the carnage that comes with seeking that ease and comfort in the next drink, in the next drug, in the any form we can find, you know. And like that, it's only when we come back out and look and look and come out and look back that we can see the impact we've had. And yeah, hundred percent, man. You said it as well. You know, we weren't the, you weren't a bad person. You were just you were behaving badly, but you, you had a good heart. And you know that that's beautiful, man. I, I can identify with that so much. And you know, you spoke about prison as well and how you found this sense of safety in prison, the structure, you know, that you had there and the and the, your friend that got you into the gym. And, you know, there's a lovely quote that I say a lot and it's, you don't find the light in the light. <clears throat> you find the light in the dark, you know, and how that, you going there, introduce you to the, introduce you to the gym and that, that buzz that you got and you got a taste of sobriety and going to the gym and it made me think of that, Ed, Denzel Washington film Flight and uh, you know at the end of the film he's he's sitting in the prison and uh, you know he's he's, uh, he's sitting in prison he says this might sound crazy coming from a man in prison but this is the most freedom I've ever felt in my life Mm, and because he was sober you know beautifully yeah yeah and it just reminded me of that and you know and you're getting into the sea and getting that slap by the wave and Man, what a story! Really blown away. I'm, I'm, they, they, they need. They're gonna make a film out of that story. I know they are. They have to. They have they to. Man. Oh man, we'll have to make a story of that. We'll have to. We'll have to illustrate how you were born in Dublin at the start. You know. <laughs> but no, it was a, it was an absolute incredible story, man. And I'm really I'm grateful that you you came on and and you shared it, man. And uh, yeah, thanks for everything that you do, man. You're you're an absolute inspiration. I appreciate that a lot, Colin and and and, and Colum and thank you for putting your trust in me and putting your faith in me and putting your trust and faith in other and other other people who are in recovery to to deliver the message on your platform as well, you know, because that's important. You're the one who's giving us the platform. So I'm very, very grateful to be to be given an opportunity to speak in it and and thank you for that. Mikey, it was an absolute pleasure. But I, I always end the podcast with a few quick fire questions that I'm gonna throw out at you. Um, what's your concept of happiness today? Peace of mind. Peace of mind. I've never, I've never known happiness like I know in sobriety. Mm. I, 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 my bills are paid. I, 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 I didn't drive until I got sober. Never drove. Never trusted with a car. Like, I have peace of mind. The tax of my car is paid. I have my insurance paid. I have no stress from the guards. I have no stress at home. My family are happy. My a girlfriend is happy, you know, and 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 I know that I can make other people happy through my actions. Um, but most importantly for me, I have peace of mind. I'm not waking up in the morning worrying about how is today going to go. Mm. I'm prepared. I'm ready, and I am. I'm most importantly, I am able to handle life on life's terms through sobriety. So. Peace of mind, but I'm sure I probably have peace of mind at some point and drink. I think sobriety and 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 continuing to be sober is my is my, is 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 the happiest that I'll be, regardless of what my life. Beautiful. What's the greatest advice you've ever gotten? Ooh, advice. So. The greatest gift I was ever given, I know it's not the same question, but the greatest gift I was given was the gift my father gave me about you don't stop when you're when you're tired, you stop when you're done. Mm. Having that drive in my life is huge. The best advice I was ever given was just keep coming back. Yeah. Keep, keep coming, coming back. back. You know, because and, and I'll I'll share this a little bit with you, Colin Colum Colum, sorry, not sure why I keep saying Colin. Colum. The start of this year I stopped coming back. I stopped going to my meetings. And life got too much for me. Mm. I ended up inside in the car outside the house with tears coming to my eyes. And it wasn't a case that that I, I shouldn't have been getting overwhelmed 
by what was happening around me. But because I wasn't going to my meetings, because I had stopped practicing the things that had gotten me to where I am, because I'd stopped practicing my recovery, mm-hmm. I'd stopped coming back. Um, life got too much for me on life term, life's terms. The mm-hmm. next day I went to a meeting and you know what? My life is beautiful since. I love that. Yeah. Got two in and going to a meeting this evening. And I, I, I needed that scare in order to remind me of where I came from and where I have to go in order to, to remain where I am. That's beautiful. What, what's your number one book recommendation? The first 27 pages of Atomic Habits. I love it. What <laughs> legacy would you like to leave behind? It's not about where you start. It's about where you finish. Um, I suppose my story really, really started when, when, when I started drinking heavily. And as I said earlier, it's not the drinking that defined me. It's my recovery after it and how recovery is possible for anybody, how you can rebuild your life from anywhere. I slept on a yoga mat for, for nearly 10 weeks in, on the floor of my classrooms in my gym. That was where I rebuilt my life from. And I was very lucky, I'm very privileged to have so a roof over my head, to have a business that I had to rebuild. But recovery is possible anywhere it is. Any, no matter where you are in life, if you start putting your best self forward, start doing the things that will positively impact your life each and every day, it will lead you to a positive life. It just might not be today. It might not be tomorrow. It might not be next week, but you keep fucking moving forward. You keep moving forward at all costs. And and look, you speak about legacy. I just want to be remembered happily by my family and friends and hopefully leave a lasting mark on the world of recovery and help as many people through that or, or get into recovery as possible. Mikey, that was absolutely beautiful, man. You're a modern day philosopher and uh, <laughs> it was absolutely phenomenal listening to you, man. You're a, a wealth of wisdom and uh, we're, we're blessed to have you. Thank you so much, brother, for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure. Colin, thank you very, very much. I appreciate Keep striving, you. Keep bro. Keep striving. Up the dubs. <laughs> <laughs>